Good evening. I am Chris Lee of Southeastern 14, joined by Blaine Gilmer. This is our game day reaction show. We are doing this around 945 Central as, as we're doing this. In case you are catching this later, the Alabama-LSU game has about eight minutes left. Alabama up 14. So we will unpack a little bit of this, return to it later. We'll go over a little bit of everybody today in what was just a wild weekend of SEC football. I think more entertaining than any of us probably would have bargained for. A good, just good games. A lot of times, Chris, just yeah. good games more than anything. Yeah, we and we didn't always expect that. Um, you know, especially in in Gainesville, uh, that was that was a wild one that we'll unpack. Okay, our show is presented by Bet Online. The last of major pro sports leagues is off and rolling. College basketball ready to go as well on Monday. Bet Online remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. NFL. College football, UFC, and NHL are all in full swing. Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops betting action, along with every sport available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to Bet Online today. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That is B L E A V. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, bet online where the game starts. Okay, Blaine, Alabama is marching again, threatening to put this one away with LSU. Jaden Daniels went down, which was no offense yeah. to Garrett Nussmeyer, probably the last straw for LSU. It feels like Alabama's just had space all night. I felt like both quarterbacks were going to run for about a thousand yards combined. This game has been fun to watch, although it's getting less interesting at the end here, especially if Alabama is to put one more touchdown on the board here, which it looks like it is going to do. For sure. And and we knew that the stops were going to be hard to come by for LSU. And then when they turned the ball over in their own territory on that interception and, and gave Alabama the chance to go up two scores, that was really kind of the that was really kind of it right there, I think, uh, as as it, you know, as it happened there towards in the fourth quarter. So, you know, I, I think we all knew that Alabama was going to be able to do its part offensively. We just wondered if they would be able to get enough stops against LSU defensively, and they proved to be able to do so. so and I, like you said, they're driving to put this one away. Both quarterbacks uh, put it all out there. Um, you just hope Jaden Daniels is okay. I mean, I, I, I tweeted out he may have a broken jaw after that hit. That yeah. was a – that was a really, really brutal. I'm surprised that Dallas Turner didn't get kicked out of the game. I was going to ask you about that. I mean, the NFL that is that is the old, you know, your body weight on the guy penalty. Uh, I, I think that one's going to be talked about a lot this week. And again, my concern seeing Jane Daniels at media day. I, I told you as soon as I saw him, he's not a very big guy. I worry about the beating he is going to take getting as many t touches as he's gotten. And, and Tyler says he's in concussion protocol. That's correct also. Uh, and and, and, I, and here we are. I hate that it went down that way. He is a fine player. You may see the best player in the SEC get knocked out of the Heisman race with injury in November for the second straight year, just like it happened in the hooker last year. Hope not. No, again, they've, and they've got a capable backup. But 
uh, Jaden Daniels is irreplaceable with all that he does for LSU. Yeah, he's so elusive, but, you know, it, and I, I see what you're saying with the weight and stuff right there, but everybody's jawbone is about the same dens- density in Wendang. Yeah. Uh, you know, D- Dallas Turner came down helmet on that jawbone. I just thought it was kind of a kind of a dirty yeah. hit there in terms of how it went down. But, hey, we'll see, uh, we'll see what the league ends up saying about it afterwards or if they say anything about it afterwards. Um, but that game, that game certainly sets up Alabama to be in the driver's seat in the in the SEC West going forward as it stands right now. And then, Chris, a battle for SEC East supremacy took place today between Georgia and Missouri. Yes, it did. Uh, that, that's one. Of, I, I think that game was interesting. Obviously, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, interesting. Arkansas, Florida was interesting. Uh, the rest only interesting in small degrees. But let's start with Georgia, Missouri. I know you watched that one start to finish. I tried to watch it a little bit here and there. For full disclosure, uh, we had had some family in town this weekend and had some stuff going on. And I was at Vandy Auburn today watching that from the press box and trying to follow Missouri, Georgia on the phone. So if I missed something obvious, um, you know, forgive me there. I I probably watched less football this week than I did any other week, but I I followed it along as best I could. But I, I feel like that Nazir Stackhouse pick, that's the one that everybody's talking about after the game. Uh, he drops back into coverage, picks one off, runs it back about 50 yards. Probably the defining play of that game. Um, is that well, fair? Yeah, he ran it back, and then they called a they called a blindside block penalty that took it back right. further, or that would have helped Georgia really cement that thing and maybe punch in another another score. But you have to give Missouri so much credit for the physicality they played with on the lines of scrimmage. They held their own um, for sure. Uh, they. They have a unique scheme with their their stretch run play. The angle and the speed it was, at which it hits was giving Georgia a little bit of problems there. And one thing that happened in the game was Jamon Dumas Johnson went out with a injury, uh, with an injury to his arm, and it could be a serious injury. And that was kind of a, a big blow. There were two injuries in this game. Uh, Luther Burden played the entire game, but he was just kind of his ankle was a little bit gimpy. Uh, after a pass that he went for in the end zone and came up a little bit lame after that. So he really wasn't the same after, I guess, late second quarter with how he was. And then Jamon Dumas Johnson there in the third quarter going down with his with his arm uh, there and Georgia being forced to play some young linebackers in the middle. Those were things you just have to deal with here in the season as you go forward because injuries are going to happen. Um and I, listen, I just think when it came down to it, these were two very good football teams, Chris, that we expected to play good football, and we thought it would come down to who handles third downs better, who takes care of the ball better. Georgia ended up taking care of the ball better, and the third downs were about the same. Red zone, about the same for both teams. So when it came down to it, it was who took care of the ball better, and that was Georgia. Yeah, my concern for Missouri for a couple of weeks would be that you would see some aggression from Brady Cook. I think you saw that today. Maybe one of the key stats, he's only 14 for 30. He'd been accurate at about a 70% rate. That had kept the chains moving, kept that defense off the field. That didn't happen today. Now, I'll tell you what did surprise me a little bit uh, was Cody Schrader being as effective as he was in that game, too. I think that kind of kept Missouri in it. They were even at 21 on first downs. That was not really something I expected to see out of that game. And 
and we'll talk more about Georgia here in a minute, but I thought that 112-yard rushing game really kind of helped keep them in it. Yeah, and I think part of that, uh, part of that was, you know, Georgia was also a little threatened because of some stuff that Brady Cook did with his legs early on. So they were trying to, they were listen. Missouri throws a lot at you, right? And and you're they. Kirby Smart said it in the post-game press conference. They're smart with how they run the ball, too. They don't just run it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, saying, hey, we're going to call a run play here. They they have the ability to find, okay, where are the where are the numbers, and then they then they run to it in their scheme, as at least what Kirby Smart uh, Dick, you know, indicated that what was going on between the chess match between him and Eli Drinkwitz and Kirby Moore there over there on the Mizzou, Mizzou side and how they ran the ball. Schrader runs hard. Uh, they did a great job, but Georgia, man, the way that they're able to just, we mentioned it a couple weeks ago, Chris, they're able to be their best when their best is required. And it yeah. seems like they, they continue to find game, ways to win ball games. Nine and zero now, twenty six straight ball games. That's approaching some pretty unbelievable territory in terms of uh, games won streaks. And now they get opportunity to host College Game Day uh, atmosphere against Ole Miss next week, and we'll get into all that. But on the other side of the ball, Chris, I cannot just I can't tell you enough how impressive it is how steady Carson Beck continues to be. Yeah, um, he just. Now, lots of times, not not necessarily being just overly great at any one thing, but he's good at everything, and he's able to just steady the waters a little bit for Georgia. He even he even had some key pickups on on third downs with his legs in this game, uh, a couple of different runs. Now it doesn't look like it from the box score because those were negated by three sacks that he had. But man, uh, two really good football teams that played a quality SEC game today, Chris. Yeah, I did a quick thing on this game this week, and I said if Missouri is going to win this game, it's probably going to have to be a plus in in the turnover category and probably a plus two or greater. I I just thought the talent difference was probably that great. No no knock to Missouri. I mean, we're talking about the two-time defending national champion here and and a team that recruits at a historically elite level. But it was minus two today, and to the Georgia end of that, that, that's Carson Beck continuing just to take care of business. 254 yards, no picks, and I think that was the difference was probably quarterback play here, and, and Georgia got the better end of that. Yeah, no no doubt. I, I think, uh, like I said, Carson Beck continues to play. He was 20, 21 to 32, had a couple of drops, had a couple of uh, missed routes by the receivers that, that could have made that completion rate even higher over there but he does such a good job pre-snap chris you see him check runs the other side you see him check out of plays he in fact checked according to kirby smart he checked to the play uh that dominant lovett scored his touchdown on today in the red zone on the screen pass so you've got to give uh, a tip of the cap for making making it hard uh, missouri making it hard on georgia to get everything they necessarily wanted but two things stood out to me chris Georgia was not only just rock solid in terms of valuing the football and offense, they owned the game on special teams. I mean, they're punting. Brett Thorson is a weapon with how, how he punts the football. And then young Peyton Woodring, the freshman that had a couple of shaky kicks early on in the year um, when Georgia was up by three and they were on, I think on the 30 something in about their own 30 something. He hits a 48 yard field goal 
and I just it was just a huge to put them up by six. It was just a big kick for a freshman to do. So so I think special teams were a big difference, and you love talking about special teams, Chris. I do. Uh, speaking of special teams, Will Reichards missed two field goals tonight. Missed one a minute ago that would have put this game away, but Alabama has now gotten a stop on fourth down. Nussmeyer misfired from Malik Neighbors. And so Alabama's taken over and will just run out the clock up 14 with two minutes left. Look, I, I haven't fact-checked this yet, but I'm you always see me glancing off to one side. That's where I look at my helmet schedule and, and try to do quick math on things. But if Correct me if I'm wrong, but if Georgia beats Ole Miss next week and if Alabama beats Kentucky next week, and I think that game is in Lexington, it is. Yeah, it's at, uh, at then, then we'll have our we'll have our SEC title game set. Am I correct on that? Yeah, the, they can both clinch next week. So okay. um it, that'll be a that'll be a big, big driving force for both of them. Of course, the, those programs you don't have to have a whole lot of extra motivation. They just they just thrive on the task that's in front of them. And that's kind of how, how Georgia was built in, you know, in the Kirby Kirby way where he learned it from who Nick Saban. So that's kind of how, that's kind of how these two programs are built. So yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting two two matchups that pose different problems. And we'll get into those next week. But uh, I just wanted to tell again, all the Missouri fans that, that we have on here and we've talked about all the week uh, there are no moral victories, but, Man, you, you got a lot to be proud of with Eli Drinkwitz and how that, that team goes about playing football. They play it the right way and they they uh you know they really compete. You never know from year to year. I think we tend to overestimate what a team does one season, especially at the end, and how it carries over. Uh, not picking on these guys, but South Carolina being an example. Beating Tennessee, beating Clemson, everybody thinking, all right, this would be a, a 10 win year, maybe finished second in the East, and, and that's not gone as well as people thought. And again, it's the portal and all sorts of things. But I feel like Missouri, with the recruiting and the NIL laws and things like that, and, and now Eli Drinkwitz has established that they can have one of those breakthrough seasons. And I feel like I never really expected them to go down to Athens and win. But it, it felt like in my gut, because goodness knows how many times have we seen Georgia do this, Blaine. That's the kind of game where Georgia beats somebody by 35 or 40. I felt yeah, like I mean, Missouri taking that game deep into the fourth quarter was a little bit of validation for what Eli Drinkwitz is doing there. Yeah, and, you know, Chris, there's also such thing as, hey, there are certain coaches and certain styles and certain programs that you've seen it over the years, whether it was when James Franklin was at Vanderbilt against Georgia or things like that, that they just play in a fashion and a style where they match up well with other teams. And Missouri, not just the last year, the year before that, hey, three or four years in a row, Missouri plays tough football against Kirby Smart and his staff and and his uh, and his scheme and things like that. So they match up well and they play hard. And, you know, with what you mentioned there, they've got Williams uh, Winari that's committed, number one prospect in the country by some people. He's out of the Kansas City area. He's going to be a, a big difference maker. They won a head-to-head -head battle with Georgia for him uh, for recruiting right there. They're still trying to flip Brian Wingo, who committed to Texas. I mean, there's a lot of 
uh, recruiting stuff that that is going, um, you know, that Missouri's right there in the thick of, especially with those Kansas City, St. Louis, um, you know, prospects around there. So yeah, I think I think Missouri's got a lot to look forward to in the future, and and um, it looks like the Missouri admin did a good job of of locking up Drinkwitz. What they did uh, for that extension last year, when many people were scratching their heads about that. Any more thoughts on Georgia, Missouri before we move on to Alabama, LSU? Because that one has just ended. Yeah, uh, Georgia, as long as they can continue to do what they're doing right now, I feel like uh, I feel like they'll be a heavy favorite over Ole Miss at home because, you know, we'll talk about Ole Miss Texas A&M in a little while. But as it gets going and if they can keep winning these games and Brock Bowers gets healthier and he- healthier, think what this offense is going to look like come SEC championship or playoff time because all of these guys now – Chris will have had to step up and get these extra reps and extra targets and all that. And then you sprinkled the best best player in college football, in my opinion, back in with with Brock Bowers. I mean, that's going to be scary for other folks late, later on down the road, in my opinion, for Georgia. All right, let's play guest the line on Georgia Ole Miss next week. I've got a number in mind. I want to see if you are where I am. Ten and a half? I was thinking ten. Yeah, I think it'd be ten and a half. I think it opened up at thirteen. Uh, it'll come down a little bit, maybe, but I don't know. Uh, we can talk about, and you know, we're going to talk about Alabama, LSU. But if you want to talk about uh, Ole Miss, Texas A and M, real quick, we can talk about that too, uh, because the the Ole Miss defense was atrocious today against a a not great Texas A and M offense. Yeah, you know, let's go there first. That might give Alabama and LSU fans a little time to to get in here. And, again, that's one I did not get to see much of. I was kind of following along. A&M made a really good run at it late and and just couldn't finish. Yeah, A&M had a a field day offensively. Uh, Trey Harris had a just an unbelievable day for Ole Miss. Jackson Dart was great again. It, it's kind of the way that we thought Ole Miss would win. That's just outscoring people. And I, I'm with you. I just think that – look, Ole Miss, I'm guessing this week when playoff odds come back, still going to maybe have about a 10% chance to get there. I, I just don't know that I'm buying based on that defense. Yeah, I mean, their defense is disruptive, but you allowed uh, Max Johnson, who you know is a serviceable quarterback and an SEC experienced quarterback, but he's not the kind of quarterback that you're seeing out there, uh, you know, week in and week out playing at an elite level. And he goes 30, 31 of forty two uh, for three oh five against them. Um, and they also ran the ball for one hundred and fifty two yards. Did Texas A and M on on Ole Miss, and that was with Le'Veon Moss going out early with a knee injury. Um, Amari Daniels really picked it up over there for him and carried the load. And there was no Eb- – that's without Evan Stewart even playing in this game, Chris. Evan yeah. Stewart was not even available for Texas A&M. So I think there's big questions for Ole Miss's defense, especially when they're away from home, Vault Hemingway Stadium. Now, offensively, they continue to, to play great. Jackson Dart, uh, you know, he just knows where to go with the football. And a lot of times that's just, as you indicated, just throwing it somewhere within the catch radius of Trey, Trey Harris because he made two one-handed grabs, yes. one inbounds and one out-of-bounds that were just ridiculous. I mean, just crazy, crazy athletic catches. But he's really – they honed in on him a lot. They they try to hit Jordan Watkins and Dayton Wade some, but 
they've really found a go-to target in Trey Harris there. So we're going to see see what happens there. And uh, Quinshot Judkins, not an elite day rushing the football against that Texas A&M front, but, you know, okay. He, he clipped the 100-yard mark, 4.4 uh, yards per carry. So um, I, I think, obviously, under Lane Kiffin, you expect the offense to be the strength of the team, but I did not expect uh, Ole Miss to play that poorly uh, on defense and really allow Texas A&M to have a chance to win that that ball game on the road. I don't know. I, th- I think Texas A&M fans are just kind of caught in purgatory because you can't you can't really feel terrible about what happened there against a good team on the road. But at the same time, you got to be just sick to your stomach of of losing these close games and not being able to get over the hump, especially um, in teams that you're more talented than. And I think Texas A&M is more talented than Ole Miss. Yeah, I think if you say, hey, Aggies are going to get 30 first downs today and you're an A&M fan, you probably feel okay about it. But that's that's not how it went. This team, I don't know what the record for single-digit losses in conference games over a two-year period is, but I feel pretty confident that A&M has either, has either already set the record or is about to. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's a... Uh... It's just not pretty football. Like, you know, do you ever do you ever just watch Texas A&M's offense and think, are they operating in quicksand? Doesn't it seem like, doesn't it seem like it's just taking forever for plays to develop? Like Max Johnson's holding the ball forever. I don't know what's going on, but it, it I don't know what they're doing offensively. Um, they they ended up making enough plays, uh, but Chris, I think there's questions for both of those teams going forward and Ole Miss uh, happens to have Georgia on the road next week. So, yeah, I, I didn't see enough of the game today to make a comment on, on that aspect of it. I did notice they got a nice Smith, the ball a little bit more today. I'm, I'm listening to the to, TV broadcast. Wasn't there. Yeah. As, as I'm driving to Vandy Auburn and, and that got mentioned by the TV guys, it's, which is what we've been saying for weeks is how do you not get, get, kid the ball more i mean i guess the answer is when they've got stewart and those other guys to, to take some target share then that's what happens but as you said he wasn't available today so anyway yeah i mean i'm i'm very interested a&m is now what five and four three and three in the league who's coming up got mississippi state abilene christian will win both those and then at lsu uh, who knows at that point? And who knows what's going on with Jaden either? We don't know how if he's yeah how badly he's injured. What it'll look like going forward? Uh, is it just a is it just a concussion? It looked to me like his jaw they were checking out. I mean, he could have he could literally yeah. have a a fractured jaw or something. I mean, that was absolutely absolutely rough. Yeah, I and mean, if his jaw's wired shut, I would think that's going to be something that's a few weeks, and you're not. You're not playing football with a wired jaw, I wouldn't think. Yeah, Cole says it's not pain in my voice that Ole Miss won the game. It's pain in my voice that they they had to win the game like that. You expect a Ole Miss team to to play better defensively to support that offense. I mean, that was just that was just atrocious how they they kind of you know had so many mistakes where they could have put this thing away early. Uh, if you're Ole Miss, you don't let a field goal get blocked and run back on you, and you're probably up 21 nothing, and and it's just you know songs over before halftime, and they they just continue to let 
Texas A&M find ways to get back in the ball game. Uh, so I just hate it for that that offensive side that they have to work so hard to overcome uh, some of the shortcomings of that defense. Um, but you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens next week. All right, let's talk Alabama LSU for a minute. Both quarterbacks were terrific in that game until Jaden Daniels got hurt. I felt like, and I only really got to see probably the last sixty percent of the game. But well, I saw a little bit more than that. But it just felt like Alabama found space to operate all night, and and whatever LSU's defensive fixes were, we wondered was that the product of the schedule, or was that a defense that's playing more up to its talent level? And it feels like we got the answer tonight. It's not the one that folks in Baton Rouge would have wanted. Yeah, I mean, I think they they expected, especially early on, uh, when that what they were being able to do with explosive plays. Uh, with that big post to to neighbors, and you, you thought, okay, this could be happening all night offensively for LSU, and then it just so many times. Uh, finally, Tommy Reese kind of let Jalen Milrow get loose a little bit with his legs, and they couldn't contain it. Chris, I mean, they he he ran really well, and as you mentioned earlier when you and I were talking. Jaden Daniels ran well. We thought these quarterbacks were just going to set some kind of record for quarterback rushing yards in a game. I mean, they were both both very elusive and, and took off. But LSU just bad fundamental defense a lot of times, losing yes. contain, uh, you know, getting lost in man coverage, getting confused when they try to go zone, not being able to disguise things well, uh, you know, didn't get home enough on, on Jalen Milrow. There was just so many things. And then – gap integrity against the run there was too many times where jason mcclellan and 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 jam miller and all these guys would just kind of gash him a little bit in the in the run game and when you have the dual threat of milro you can't allow you got to find something to stop it's a give or take thing you can't give everything um and lsu just simply couldn't get enough stops and didn't play good fundamental defense for most of the game who did Alabama have matched up on neighbors most of the night? Was it Terry on Arnold? I would think it would be Kool-Aid McKinstry, but I mean, okay. I, I'm not, I'm not certain. I mean, I think they had them on both sides because LSU, yeah. LSU does such a good, good job of moving neighbors around uh, and putting him in different spots to be able to get him different matchups. So um, at, at the end of the day, uh, the secondary for Alabama, you know, didn't, it's not that they played, you know, tremendous but they 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 didn't give up uh they didn't give up as many home runs as i think some people might have might have thought they they would have in this matchup without how talented lsu's receivers are and and they kind of yeah. kept things in, in front of them for the most part yeah they kind of held brian thomas down tonight uh, so you know for whatever that's worth it might just been neighbors with so tom when you go 10 for a buck 71 um <laughs> Maybe just keep well, sticking and, with and what's working. Ran it a lot too, and yes, and some of those were on schedule. Some of them were, some of them were planned. Some of them were, you know, scrambles and things like that. So, uh, you know, it is what it is uh, when it comes down to it. You can't turn the ball over in your own territory on the road against a team as good as um, as good as Alabama, uh, and expect to win win a football game. And then uh, when Jaden Daniels went out, like you said, it was that was pretty much over. You feeling better about Alabama as a a playoff team after tonight, or, or potential? I mean, I, I guess it's 
that, that was poorly phrased. Look, Alabama-Georgia winner is going. Loser, yeah. if it's Alabama's not, if it's Georgia, uh, might be tough depending on whatever happens. But I, I guess a better way to put it is, do you feel a little bit better about Alabama's ability to match up with Georgia at the end? I think Alabama is a very good defensive ball team. I still think that we didn't learn a whole lot about the about the offense in this because LSU is so bad, so bad uh, defensively. I mean, not not Alabama. LSU is so bad defensively. Um, but I do think that you, it's encouraging to see Jalen Milrow be more willing to get out and use his legs because man, he yeah. is really, really, really good. Um, I mean, in terms of just the, the ability to be able to take off, uh, there's few out there that have that that ability to accelerate and make things happen. And I think if he'll do that a little bit more, embrace that a little bit more, it'll help out the struggling Alabama offensive line in terms of the pass protection, which has been well-documented. They're worst in the SEC, 126 in the country. Need to be able to let him do some of those things to help out not only him and let his playmaker ability take over, but also help out that offensive line, Chris. Here's a crazy stat, and this has got to feel devastating if you're you're LSU. Jalen Miller ran for 155 yards tonight. Yeah. Do you know how many he ran for the last three weeks combined? Nope. Minus 48. Yeah, I mean that that's tough, and and LSU just fundamentally does not keep contain. You know they 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 don't play assignment football. Matt House is up there in the booth screaming because there's just massive lanes to run the football through for Jace McClellan at, at times. Uh, you know, and like you said, not being able to get to Jalen Milrow enough. LSU came into this game, Chris, 13th in the conference with only 14 sacks. I don't even know how many times they got to Milrow tonight, if they if if any at all. But I mean, it was it was not. Uh, it was not nearly enough to be able to thwart what he was doing with his legs, and then he would make plays uh, when they were there to be made through the air as well. So he just continues to get better and better, and I think that's the element of Alabama's team that I think you have to be excited about. You know what you're going to get defensively. Um, you know you, you know what you're going to get defensively, but they're getting better and better. And, Chris, as we kind of wrap up that one, we have to talk about it because we've got our, our uh, hog fans in here. Yeah. Woo Pig Suey is hitting a big bounce back win for Arkansas, Chris. Yeah, well, one more note on Alabama. Alabama had given up four sacks or more. I think it was eight straight games. LSU got two tonight. Yeah, not enough. Uh, not enough to, to what you need to be able to to rattle um, Jalen Milrow. But uh Speaking of rattling, Chris, like I said, Woo Pig Suey is in here, and they are uh, they are excited yeah. about the the win in the um, in the swamp uh, over the the name that you don't like, Chris Sunbelt Sun Billy gets uh, gets razzed again as uh, yeah. as this this was gonna going to be a a loser's going to hear about it week. But hey, if you're Sam Pittman, what would you give for a time machine right now? Yeah, uh, because I my guess. goodness, it was a different offense this week. It was a different offense. I think, you know, a lot of that has to do with just the energy and the being willing to move the pocket and all that kind of stuff. He said the players really get gravitated towards Kenny Guyton. But at the end of the day, uh, Florida, you know, they didn't have Shamar James. He They found out he was going to be out for the rest of the season before this game, having to play some young linebackers. Florida didn't 
tackle well enough in space at times. You're you're it's just poor tackling and then not being able to get off the field on third down enough uh, and make enough stops. I think Arkansas did a great job uh in terms of KJ Jefferson making making plays. He always Chris, he he's a guy that you know, he has to do so much it seems like for that team all the time. Yeah. Uh and he continually continually just makes plays um, I think you got to be really proud to head Rocket Sanders back. If yeah. you're an Arkansas fan, you got to be really proud of KJ Jefferson's effort 20 of 31, 255, two touchdowns, and then Rocket Sanders being back. And, and they rushed for 226 yards in this game, Chris. That Florida run defense, that's a problem for Billy Napier because Georgia, Georgia ran well over 200 yards last week. Arkansas, who has been abysmal in the run game, runs for over 200 yards this week. There's problems on along the defensive front uh, it, down in Gator Country, Chris. I think Sanders and Jefferson both had season highs in rushing yards, and I'm just looking at this and thinking, like if you you don't tell Arkansas fans before the season, okay, this is what your record is, this is how it's gone. You just say let let's flash forward to the Florida game. You go to Gainesville and win where. Nobody really wins w- with much regularity. I mean, Tennessee got beat 15 down there. You know, one of its two losses. And you say, hey, here's your box score from today. KJ throws for 255, runs for 92. Sanders gives you a buck three on the ground. Uh, you beat a Florida team that's five and three coming in. You're like, hey, we've had the kind of season we wanted, right? Yeah, and and truthfully, They've been real close, Chris. I mean, the games that they've lost, yeah. they lost three just brutal games on the road by one-score games that a bounce a ball here or there or a maybe apparently what it looks like now, Danny knows not being so stubborn on certain things and being more willing to move the pocket and do, do things like that is kind of what Sam Pittman insinuated at his press conference after letting him go. With Kenny Guyton now at the helm, I mean, you you just have to wonder what could have been, uh, you know, with this last last run with KJ Jefferson here, and it's a it's a shame for him. But listen, even with all the craziness that has gone on this year, Chris, Arkansas has games left at home against Auburn, at home against FIU, and then at home against Missouri. They got three home games. They got a chance to go bowling this year after such a terrible deal and that's a big deal for a team to get those 15 extra practices and and things like that and get some of the younger guys experience so uh, Arkansas still playing for bowl eligibility and and uh, playing to you know get things going in the right direction heading into 2024 yeah and I was of course they've got Auburn next week I was at Auburn Vandy today and, and Vanderbilt's just beyond bad but I was not blown away with Auburn either I know they won the game pretty decisively uh, but receivers open, dropping passes. Uh, you know, Jarquez Hunter almost ran for 200 today. I just think that Arkansas's defense, which has been pretty good most of the year, I don't know that Auburn – if this is what Arkansas is, I worry about Auburn having enough firepower to keep up, especially with that one being in Fayetteville. Again, if, if that's what they are, it's a one-game sample size – but again, well, this is a lot closer to the Arkansas offense we thought we were getting before the season. Well, we know that the Gators run the football well at home. You know, usually they yeah. ran it well on Tennessee at home. They were limited to just four yards of carry today, 112 yards rushing. Um, 
But Graham Mertz was able to put up, I don't know, almost 300 yards passing and and, and did his thing, had three touchdowns, no interceptions. I don't think you're going to get that kind of play from Peyton Thorne next week uh, for Auburn and that wide receiving core. Even if they're able to run the football a little bit with Jarquez Hunter, I think Travis Williams' defense there at Arkansas, again, I think Travis Williams needs to be considered for the Broyles Award because of what he's been doing with that defense. They went from 110th in the country in scoring defense last year. And now uh, I think they're, you know, in the top 50 coming into this game and and continues to put them in positions to win ball games. So, you know, I think, I think uh, they have an aggressive defense and I think they'll be able to have success uh, in these last three home games going forward. Well, I think maybe that showed you some buy-in from this roster for Sam Pittman too. and, And good for that. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, we got a couple more games we haven't hit. They're they're not the games of greater importance, but let's touch on everything. Where would you like to go next? The great chicken fight in Columbia today between the <laughs> Gamecocks and Gamecocks are us is is uh is what it was and it was a I would have I would have just about rather watched two chickens fight because it was ugly <laughs> at times and South Carolina uh snatched victory from the jaws of defeat. Uh, against Jacksonville State, uh, Shane Beamer, it's score rating the the fan base after the game for uh, being you know joyless, bitter people uh, that that don't want to celebrate a a Jacksonville State victory. He said they're going to celebrate the heck out of this victory and go and have a lot of fun with it because you only get twelve games. I got I got news for him. If they don't start playing better for this, he may not have any games uh, left going forward because I I just. I just don't see South Carolina improving. I don't see any improvement. I know there's excitement in recruiting, but I see I see just an absolutely dreadful performance on both lines of scrimmage a lot of times. Um, and just not a lot of not a lot of energy, not a lot of excitement uh going on there. And the fan base was dwindling out of there well early before that game was over with Chris, even with it being tight. So uh things are a little bit rough in Columbia right now. Can we make a conference call between Shane Beamer and Davos when he happened to get the tape of that? Yeah, well, I think they would be on the same boat. They'd be like, "Oh, you hate your fans. I hate my fans too." So let's let's just let's just yeah. be uh, in the the. It's like the little rascals used to have the the He Man Woman Haters Club, where they're going to have the the <laughs> the pro the the pro coaches uh, fan haters club between Dabo and Dabo and uh, and Beamer. Well, and Chris is gone. I don't know what he did. But something just uh, something just went away there. So I am solo now. Go ahead and throw your stuff in the chat. Oh wait, here he goes. <laughs> here he comes back. I was like, there he goes. He's gone. What happened? Wrong browser tab. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think you rattled me with the, the little rascals reference. That's a that's a first on the pod. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. Uh, Xavier Legat has another another game like he's had all year. We said that. The recipe for an upset here might be possible because South Carolina can't protect the the passer. For whatever it's worth, Jacksonville State gets after the passer. Their schedule has been wretched, so hard to translate those things. They did get three sacks today, but Rattler throws for 399, and that was that. Yeah. And, and they still couldn't run the ball today, by the way. That's the thing. That's the thing. I don't care. When you're facing a, a Jacksonville State team, you you should be able to run the ball for better than than 2.3 yards per carry. 
Um, and it just shows you that it just shows you how bad uh, of a job South Carolina has done at cobbling together offensive line depth because I know you've got injuries. I know you've got injuries and things like that, but there's just not enough actual SEC offensive linemen on that team. And I think that comes down to talent acquisition and the way you manage a roster. And I don't think South Carolina's done a good job of that. So we'll see if they recruit well in the in the offseason. Right now, they're 10th or 11th in, in terms of people are excited about the recruiting class. But guess what? You're 10th or 11th in the SEC uh, in recruiting rankings right now for this upcoming class. So um, I just think I see things with now with Texas and Oklahoma and the league getting harder. I think I think I see things getting worse before they get better for South Carolina. Okay, we hit on Auburn Vandy for just a minute. Uh, just a synopsis of that one is Jarquez Hunter broke off two long touchdown runs in the first quarter, went for about a buck twenty between the two. Auburn got up fourteen nothing. Vanderbilt really never made it a, a game for for super long after that. So Auburn got back to Hunter second straight one hundred yard game and, and walks out of Nashville with the win. Kentucky, Mississippi State, that one finished not long ago. My brother was actually there and, and, and texted me saying, man, you wouldn't believe how deafening the cowbells are down the year. Thinking, yeah, I would. I've, I've heard it before in the stands. It's crazy. But uh, th this one kind of played out a little bit like I thought it might. Devin Leary didn't have last week's Devin Leary game, which I thought he might, given state struggles against good teams in the past. Ray Davis wasn't great again. I don't know if he's maybe wearing down. But, look, eight is so bad offensively right now. You don't have to do a lot. I think teams are figuring out Mike Wright's limitations. He Look, he's a great runner, but just no accuracy with the ball. Kentucky didn't have to do much tonight, uh, and, and it didn't offensively. You had, what, 270 yards, but that's good enough for a 24-3 win. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, hey, when you're Kentucky, sometimes it's just about, listen, when you're on the road, it's not easy to win road games, okay, in the SEC. People think it is, and and it's kind of been skewed that way because of in the past, I don't know, five, six, seven years, what teams like Georgia and Alabama have done, just mowing through people, whether it's home or road. But it is hard to win SEC games on the road in Kentucky went on the road played efficient enough Devin Leary played clean he didn't play you know out of his mind but he played clean distributed the football Ray Davis ran it well the Kentucky defense played great go home with a victory and now they get to go home and uh, welcome in the Alabama Crimson Tide and can they be as uh, as Bill Rafferty likes to say in basketball Chris can they be the the fly in the ointment so to speak yeah. next week all right, last one we have not hit. Tennessee blew out UConn 59-7. to Not a lot to talk about there. Jalen Wright has an 82-yard touchdown run on, like, the second play of the game, and, and, that, and that was kind of that. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, here's a pet peeve in stats. I wish we would do some kind of scoring thing to where we take account for how many points your defense scores and how many yeah. points your offense scores because Tennessee's – Defense was plus 11, was on the field today. Two third-quarter interception returns, Jalen McCullough, Aaron Beasley, and, and that one. They got Nico Iamaliva some playing time, which people up there have been screaming for. Joe Milton, 11 for 14 for 254, 2 and 0. That's exactly what you would have wanted. And Iamaliva goes 5 and 9 for 86 and runs for 25 more. Look, it, it's kind of your, your typical 
Tennessee win that we figured it was going to be. Connecticut's offense isn't very good. Balls kind of shut them out. They did pass for a little bit, but but nothing that went to the scoreboard. Uh, Tennessee ran it a bunch, and uh, looked again. This was this was over about about forty seconds in. Yeah, the fighting uh, Jim Moore Juniors didn't have much fight in them over there, so uh, it wasn't wasn't very good. Um, UConn, this is just a, a basically a glorified scrimmage for Tennessee, and they they took care of business. And uh, you know who does who does Tennessee have now? Oh, they got Missouri next week. Uh, yeah. So as as we learned this week, uh, and I think that Missouri team is very mature. Tennessee is going to have a fight on their hands, Chris, as they go to Como next week. All right, we always try to recap the playoff picture at the end of this. Uh, Florida State struggled with Pitt today, well into the second half, but ended up winning that one going away. So the Seminoles still unbeaten. Georgia still unbeaten, and we'll get a little bit of a boost. Well, I don't know if they'll get a boost to, to jump Ohio State. Not that it really matters at this point. I because think that the might, Ohio State was struggling with Rutgers. Yeah, but Ohio State still got bigger wins. I don't know if we're there yet. Uh, no, no, beat Ole Miss next week, and maybe we got a discussion. It's, it's not going to matter anyway because Ohio State's yeah. got to play Michigan. Georgia's got some big games ahead, the SEC title game, all that. I, I just think it's it's a lot of moaning about nothing at this point because it's not going to matter. Uh, Michigan, what, what was the Michigan-Purdue final today? Or is that going on? That's over, isn't it? Yeah, I don't. I don't think I've seen it. Oh, uh, fine. They, I they think won forty-one thirteen. Michigan won forty-one yeah. thirteen. Yeah. So another another win against a mediocre team for for Michigan, which is just about all Michigan has at this point. Um, Ohio State handled Rutgers. That was a game for bits. He's still got those four teams unbeaten. Washington still unbeaten with the win at Southern Cal by ten points. You got Oregon. Um, all right, I think I think that's all the unbeaten's now because Air Force got beat by a bad Army team. That one by twenty points. That, yeah, and James James Madison's unbeaten but ineligible for the playoffs. So that's a crime. I think, yeah, there you go. I, I don't know about a crime, but that anyway. Um. Okay, so that's all your unbeaten's, correct? Yeah, it's all your unbeaten's. Okay, your one loss is Oregon looking – Oregon, Alabama looking like your best one-loss teams. Oregon smashed Cal tonight. We know about Alabama, LSU. Um, Oklahoma picked up its second loss today, correct? Texas. Texas has still uh, just got one loss, and arguably – I mean, that's not a that's a pretty good win with your quarterback being out over Kansas State. Uh, that's a good team. So, you know, without Quinn Ewers. Uh, and remember, Texas has a win over Alabama at Tuscaloosa. Yeah. So, Louisville beat Virginia Tech. Penn State beat somebody today, right? Maryland. Maryland, which is a nice win. And they beat them bad, too, 51 to 15. So, here, here's your playoff contenders at this point Florida State, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Washington, Oregon. Texas, Alabama, Louisville, Penn State, Ole Miss. If you squint a little bit, maybe Kansas State and Tennessee. And, yeah, that's that's about it. I don't know if Oklahoma can get there now with two losses. So, there's your, your playoff picture exiting 
Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. So those are teams that have have games out in front of them to go prove something. Uh, but it was a fun weekend of college football for sure. And guys, make sure everybody subscribes to us here. Hit that like button if you're in here. We've got lots of you in here. Go ahead and hit that like button right now. It's free. Uh, subscribe. That's also free. And then turn on notifications for when we do live streams like this. Chris goes live every single uh, day during the week with him and Gavin Showedwall from 12, uh, 12 Eastern, 11 Central to 1 Eastern, 12 Central. So um and then i've got my morning show we got a lot of content blake Lovell's gonna be doing basketball um chris anything else that i missed that we that we got coming up we got predictions on monday yeah and i think i, I did miss one unbeaten i think liberty's still unbeaten um yeah so there's that not, not, not that it really playoffs. matters they're not even in the top 25 <laughs> poll but just as a point of fact yeah liberty beat louisiana tech today to go to nine and oh not not that it matters for for the playoff but just to to be factual about it there we go yeah we'll we'll be back at it on monday 11 central with the live stream which we'll be doing all five days this week we got previews and predictions coming out we'll start rolling those out we'll record them tomorrow night sunday night and roll those out Monday morning, maybe some a little later in the week, depending on how many we get to Sunday night or don't get to. We got your your morning report, which is excellent. Got a lot of stuff going on. Oh, and basketball. Basketball starts Monday. So we're going to be watching that too. So anyway, hit the like button and hit that subscribe button. Enable your notifications if you want to know when we're going live. Uh, To Tell a friend, whatever you can do to help us out. We do make a living doing this, so. We're not not just two guys doing it for fun. We are having fun with this, but point is, uh, this is our livelihood. So support us however you can. For Blaine Gilmer, I'm Chris Lee. We are Southeastern 14. Have a great night, great rest of your weekend. Thanks for watching Southeastern 14, presented by Bet Online. <laughs>